Episode 106 of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where it's time for Andrew Griffiths and I to get down to another session of some very funny business. Welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to take your marketing to the next level. Now here's your host, Tim Reid. G'day everyone, welcome back to episode 106 of Australia's number one ranking small business marketing podcast. I am your host, Timbo Reid. You are a motivated small business owner who wants to crush it with their marketing and we are brought to you by the very good folk at NetRegistry who will help you get your business sorted online. More on that in a minute. Welcome also to all you flying soloists from over at flyingsolo.com.au. Now, guys, um, what do we got today? Plenty. Uh, first of all, a big thank you to Nick Rose from Qualia Lounge, a cafe in Richmond, Melbourne, in my town. And uh, Nick was inspired by, well, he was inspired by the show and also inspired by last week's interview, which, if you haven't listened to it, is with a guy called Jules Watkins, who's created this fantastic online training that allows us all to create really good marketing videos just using our iPhone. And he teaches you all about lighting and sound and framing and blah, blah. And um, Nick sent me a 14, an 11 minute video just using his iPhone, showing me why so many variables come into making a great coffee. Because if you remember from a previous episode, I was like scratching my head going, why is good coffee so hard to make? Nick has gone ahead and created a little training video to me, and I really appreciate that, Nick. Um, a, it was just a really nice thing to do and very appreciative. B, um, it just shows me the power of what we've got in our iPhone. And imagine, guys, if you were creating short little videos that you could send to your clients answering a question, if you could send to your prospects responding to a question or an issue, you know, this is powerful stuff and we've got it right there in our pocket. Um, so many examples of people doing this. Um, I encourage you to go back and have a listen to episode 105 of Small Business Big Marketing, Jules Watkins, and learn all about um, your iPhone and how to create compelling marketing videos. Guys, um, as I mentioned last week, Net Registry have put together three exclusive packages just for us. Hey, just for you and I to help us get sorted online. One is a startup package, which is 80 bucks. Hello, it's 80 bucks. It gets you going online if you're not going online. And every business should have a website, guys. It's that simple. Um, and they'll show you how to do that. They've got this website refresh package where they're charging 75 bucks an hour to get you sorted. And that includes an entire free complimentary review of where you are at now online. And they've got this grow online package, which is optimizing you to get found on Google, on Google. Uh, using search engine optimization, and that is massively reduced from 550 bucks a month to $199 a month with a six-month commitment. So check out netregistry.com.au forward slash offer forward slash SBBM or go to Small Business Big Marketing and click on their banner. I love NetRegistry. Thanks, guys. Um, I last week decided that instead of sending um, an email each week 
saying, hey, there's a new episode of Small Business Big Marketing up for your listening pleasure that I was going to go and do. Uh, you might hear me clicking. I'm clicking on it to find it. I did. I'm going to do a blog post. It's a letter to my listeners. Um, that's what it's going to be. So if you sign up at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com, not only are you going to get a fantastic fast start marketing report written by moi, but you're also going to get, uh, you're going to be on the list to get a letter uh, from me to you each week. And what I'm going to do in that letter is, um, yes, I'm going to share the insights to my most recent interview. I am going to share a tip or a trick. I am going to share a tool that I'm using to do better marketing. And I'm going to share something funny. Ha ha. So um, get onto that list, guys, at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and you will receive a letter to my listeners. And the response has been really interesting. When I was sending just an update of, hey, there's a new episode coming out, I was getting a lot of unsubscribes and I wasn't happy about that. Now I have got more comments than any uh, blog post that I've written already. There's 17 comments there. You know, I just got one this morning from Tim Holmes. Thanks, Tim. I know you're a long time listener. And look, he says, you know, this is when you know things are working, guys. And this is when you know you're building a brand and emotionally engaging with your audience. Tim says, thanks for your honesty and integrity. I have been inspired by your honesty and humor, both here and Freedom Ocean, which is my other podcast. A refreshing change and I look forward to both coming into my email account. I have spent a month getting rid of gurus and subscriptions to end up with three subscriptions, two of which include you and it ain't nothing to do with the love thing, LOL, he says. Um, you know, and, and there's lots of other comments in that um, in that letter to my listeners along the same lines. Um so thanks, guys. I respond to all those comments. You will find my first letter to my listener uh, in the blog section of smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. It's also been shared widely, tweeted widely. So it's great. I'm onto something, hey? I love that. Tick. All right. This week's episode is Funny Business with Andrew Griffiths, Australia's number one most prolific small business author. He's got 11 books under his belt. Um, AG and I get together every fourth episode of Small Business Big Marketing and talk funny business. We cover a lot of ground in in this episode. So enough from me, it's over to me and AG. AG, how are you my friend? Very good, Mr. Timbo Reid. Uh, great to be back. I think this is our third show, is it? It is, mate. Him? And this is, uh, I'm very excited about this. We have got some seriously good, funny business to cover in a very serious way. <laughs> I couldn't imagine us doing it in any other way. And I'm and I'm loving our new cartoon characters, I might add. We're getting lots of good feedback uh, about them. So next Correct. time, I'll, I'll brief the designer, though, on the uh, the short, fat guy. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, listeners, if you don't know what AG's talking about, we've had a little bit of uh, a bit of a logo done for the funny business sessions on the Small Business Big Marketing Show. You can see them on the show notes. Now, AG, here's what we've got to cover today, mate. So I want you... I want your A game. In fact, I want your double A game, all right? Okay, done. We are going to cover servile brands. Servile, not a word I use often, but we are going to cover the topic, the trend of servile brands. We've got a listener question, a, a very touching question, I must say, um, from da- uh, now who's it from? From Dylan, and mm-hmm. he's asking about how to um, overcome the fear of selling. Interesting mm-hmm. stuff. We are also going to cover... Uh, 
petty problems that we sometimes experience with customers and should we lose sleep over them? We are going to talk testimonials and we are going to talk one of the big issues, which I know is on your very big heart at the moment, which is business isolation. What about that? Mate, great. Where, where do we start, buddy? Uh, excellent question. I reckon uh, I'm going to flip a coin, spin okay. the wheel, and suggest we start with this issue of should we lose sleep over petty problems with customers? Mm. Hmm? Isn't it a great topic, though, that, that – and we all have problems with customers, whether they be big problems or little problems. And, and you know, it, it's a difficult one because every, most of us as entrepreneurs, the thing that cuts us to the quick is – is someone not being happy with what we do or someone mm-hmm. who's who's disappointed in something that we've done or we've let them down and we know we've let them down, those kind of issues, you know, where we, we try so hard and invest so much in what we do that it's, um, it's a little bit heartbreaking when that happens. But, you know, in the same vein, though, it's not always our problem and, and that's the difficult one. Sometimes it's actually the customer and they're the problem and uh, we've all had to maybe say goodbye to the odd customer uh-huh. but how- how do you determine, okay, well, this is a petty problem. You know what? Maybe I'll just take it on the chin and rather than lose them and make a big deal out of it, maybe I'll just wear it. So, so AG, first of all, are you? I think we are agreeing here because I don't believe the customer's always right. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, tip. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, that it's okay to understand that. But the, the problem in some businesses that I think we all see is that the customer is actually always wrong. You know, yeah, right. like it, like they almost, right. that's home base. If there's a problem, I mean, we've been at a place, let's say we go to a restaurant or something, and we've got a bit of a problem with a meal, something's not there, and you just want to make a bit of a deal about it. But, you know, just in a small way, but you end up having an argument, like you, the, the person running the restaurant or the waiter or whatever goes on the defensive, and, and it becomes a big deal when it kind of shouldn't be a big yeah. deal. It becomes a big deal when someone really should say, look, if you don't think that's okay, okay, we'll just replace it or do whatever it is, rather than stand there and argue and almost grab a fork and taste it themselves yeah. uh, just to, to, <laughs> yeah, to go yeah. down that process. And that's I, I, I would actually love that to happen. I, I would I actually have happen. complete respect for the waiter, as long as he didn't kind of, as long as he just used his teeth to remove it from the fork, you know. But, you know, that's such personality. I know it's hygienically wrong and all that of type course. of stuff, but the world's getting pretty serious. So, you know, that kind of stuff can be fun. Absolutely, absolutely. But my belief is we spend so much time, so much energy, so much money trying to attract customers and often really good customers that are so loyal to us that we can actually blow it. We can burn them, we can lose them on a simple thing. And and, and I think sometimes it's about maybe as a business owner, we, we kind of go, look, you know, just let that one slide. Just, just get, yes, maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but who really cares? What do I want? I want to keep them coming back. I want to keep them raving about the business. I want to. I want them to be happy. So if mm. that means I've got to give away a cup of coffee, give away an extra book, give away something to say sorry, do I really care? And the answer is no. Mm. You know, I don't want to lose a great customer because I've been pig-headed because I wouldn't back down. And uh, we've all been on the receiving end of that as well, where someone really has overreacted to a pretty legitimate complaint. And we're vehement these days. We go, you know what, buggy, I'm going to go somewhere else. And I think it takes them. We need a high degree of maturity to be an entrepreneur in the modern world is mm. what I'm saying. 
I think the, the, your point of just give them that free coffee or give them a book that you've written or give them something of there's this, you know, that concept and I've spoken about it previously of a high perceived value to the customer at a low cost to the business. And, you know, the concept is just, it's the it's actually the gesture gesture of giving that free coffee just to, to settle things down or giving giving something. I think, you know, listeners have a think about, you know, when you do hit a, hit a speed bump with a customer, and you kind of got to maybe you have to swallow the pride a bit. What can mm-hmm. you give them that's just going to make things easy? Hey, can, um, I, can I use an example for that too? Because yeah. it's a great topic. I, I um, uh, when my marketing company was uh, was more of a profile for me and more what I did. I, I used to market and do all the advertising for a large shopping centre, and it was really full on. It was it was overly demanding, everything was like you're in Bali, everything was a renegotiation on prices, on a small ad that you're developing with your team just to go in the local paper or Mm -hmm. everything. It took three people to manage the account and to manage it in a very, very unhappy way. And I remember I finally had enough and this this was huge, this was probably 75% of my income for my business was with this company and uh, and we didn't have any capacity to take on any more work simply because I was so demanding. We're working Nine ten o'clock Friday nights, oh, Saturday that's, that's nights, because fun. that's that's what the marketing manager worked. They didn't have a life, so no one else could have a life. And in the end, I, I resigned the account. And when I resigned the account around town, everyone in the industry, small industry in this neck of the woods, was going, "Oh, you've got to be how could you? That's the biggest account in town. How can you possibly resign that?" And the reality was, we had no choice. We had to. It was destroying the business, destroying the, my staff. And, and it was just no one wanted to go to work anymore because the work was horrible that you were doing. Did you make money? Well, kind of, but that's the only reason we're there. What's the point of doing it? And what the most interesting part about it, Tim, was the fact that within a month, we'd completely replaced that client. We had four new clients that, that generated much more than we had with that one account, and they were great clients. They wanted to work with us for ages, but they knew we didn't have the capacity. Mm. So once we made the capacity, they came out of the woodwork and say, oh, quick, can we sign up with you guys? I, I think we've got to get rid of those clients that don't align or those customers that don't align with our our beliefs, our, what we're trying to achieve in our business, all of that kind of stuff. You just have to do it in the right way. And what you raise is this whole thing of the power of no, and um, I think we've got to practice it a bit more. It doesn't mean to be negative. It just means, you know, saying no frees you up to do stuff that you want to say yes to and um, powerful stuff. It's all it's hard but uh, worth the courage, I reckon. Now, mate, um, let's talk. Let's talk servile brands, right? Okay. Servile, how would you define servile being, uh, you know, the academic that you are? Mate, I, I've got no idea. Right. Oh, very uh, good. You <laughs> tell me what a servile brand is. I, I absolutely loved it. I did mean to have a look at it online so that I would sound like an academic. Oh, and, uh, oh, and of course, oh. I didn't. Mate, I'm just going to let you, uh, I'm just going to make this hard for you. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I'll, I'll just start again, mate. AG, servile brands, what do you got to say about that? Servile brands are, are, are wonderful things. Hang on, I just see how quickly I can type Google into the system. You are a shocker. Listeners, <laughs> leave it to me. Leave it to me to make your marketing easier. I tell you what, if I physically had to carry Andrew Griffiths, it would be a very uh, uncomfortable day, but I'll metaphorically carry him through this subject. <laughs> AG, a servile brand is a brand that um, it's not just about customer service, but it's a brand that makes life easier 
for its customers. Okay, Absolutely. that's 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 an easy way of putting it. Um, it's it's based on the premise of service, but well beyond customer service. I'll give you some examples of some servile brands. It's a trend that's been identified. I'm not sure it's a trend. It's kind of something that should be done, has been done previously. Uh, in some examples, I'll give, and and I think we could all ask the question, how could we make our customers' lives easier as a result of this discussion? So there's a clothing brand called, it's hard to pronounce, but Uniqlo, U-N-I-Q-L-O. Very cool clothing brand out of Japan. They have a very cool um, iPhone app that wakes you up with the time of day, what the weather's doing outside your door, what day of the week it is, in a very friendly voice. So that's that's a very simple example. I love this example. Oh, in fact, you know another example? You and I walked past a servile brand recently when we were in Albert Park. We walked past a dry cleaners that had an, a machine in its front window that allowed you to automatically drop off and pick up your clothes any time of the day and night. Nice. Uh, that yeah, is servile okay. right there. Um, right. What about this one? Health Street, which is a medical testing company in New York, offers mobile paternity tests via a van called Who's Your Daddy? (laughs) It's funny you mentioned that. I did come across that the other day. Like, and that's got to go down to a only in America. Only in America. Correct. I I wonder who my father is. I'll (laughs) pop into a mobile van and get a a paternity or maternity test done, a blood test, and uh, pay on the spot. Like. Who thinks of those kind well, of things? Well, smart marketing p- dudes do. So Very who's clever. your daddy? Is it, It's a Winnebago <laughs> that cruises the streets of New York and for 299 bucks, a passerby can have a cheek swab taken for analysis in the vehicle's lab with results delivered in a couple of days. Now, um, Health Street is actually a bricks and mortars business in New York, but they're taking it to the streets and they're being servile. I love it. I don't know whether I'd be just kind of walking along going, hey, mate, want a, you want a cheek swab? <laughs> you know, I've, but, I've, um, you've so, got to say, though, that, that is of when you talk about business names and all the rest of it and how a great name <laughs> is a really smart daddy? thing to have for a business. <laughs> who's your daddy for a mobile buddy DNA paternity testing van has got to be one of the, the most classic business names. It's right up there, isn't it? I, I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love can, it. Can I give you another? I, I love this example of a servile brand, a bit closer to home, a bit more small business. It's for a pizza shop in Dubai. Mm-hmm. It's it's a VIP fridge magnet for Dubai's red tomato pizza shop, which allows customers to order their favourite pizza at the touch of a button. Members of the loyalty program were sent free magnets which uses a smartphone's Bluetooth functionality to connect to the internet. Once the customer has pressed the button on the fridge magnet, the pizza is delivered to the registered address. Uh, and now, man, that's a whole new kettle of fish, though, too, this whole embedded uh, SIM cards in yep. in products and things. We're just starting to see that. Uh, I, I read something interesting a little while back talking about this again, being able to service and connect it. Give it another three or four years in cars will be coming out with probably even upwards of 100 SIM cards in them. Wow. Located throughout the vehicle, all offering certain uh, different ideas, different information going back, etc. because it's much easier to change that than have a complicated one whole computer system in a car. So we're going to see everything's going to be arriving, shoes with SIM cards in them, you know, um, just, uh, just an array of things. A little bit off topic, but amazing. No, it's interesting, and it just causes additional anxiety, I reckon, like social media. You know, there's clinics in social uh, – in social. there's clinics in America for social media detoxing. Uh, 
a hundred SIM cards in a car, mate, that, that's that's cause for a meltdown. It's phenomenal, phenomenal. But it's interesting for me. I think what you're talking about with the servile brand, and uh, and because I'm such an expert in it, I've come across now certain things that have, I recall again about things like IKEA offering free boxes for when you move. I'm reading yep. this on the website, yep. of course, and uh, you know, or um, the Chev, you know, letting our customers try out first, uh, try your car, so you can take the car for a it, week. It's and just, drive it. it's just respecting. I interviewed a guy yesterday for next week's what? episode of Small Business Big Market. Marketing. And uh, he's he's an owner of a um, he's the owner of a cafe uh, a cocktail bar up in Gosford doing okay. some amazing stuff and we we're just talking about well first of all he was telling me just how he went about ensuring a fantastic customer experience just by the by he's, he started a cocktail bar Griffo in an old funeral home in Gosford um, and it's it's quite amazing but he's created an entire customer experience by actually sitting down first and reflecting on what does the customer really, really want when they come into a cocktail bar. Sounds crazy, I know, but he's, he's, and I don't think enough of us do that. Well, look, I, I agree, and, and I think that there's so many things. An interesting thing, I got a phone call a while back from my uh, web developer, and they rang, and they rang me with a question. The, Nikki is my the lady that does the work for us, and she said, "Andrew, I'm ringing up to find out how we can make your life easier." Oh. What? what can we do as a web developer? Tell us, what are your biggest frustrations? What are the things that we could be taking on that are just going to make your life a dream? And I thought, I was stunned. I, it's, I said, I don't know. I love the fact that you've asked me this question, but I really need to go away and think about it. Listeners, and, uh, listeners, um, everyone stop. Stop listening to this podcast and go and ring three clients right now. Absolutely. And ask them that question. And our work here is done. Mate, it's amazing, isn't it? What a, what a wonderful, wonderful question. Beautiful. And we're all the same. I mean, I when she did that to me, without a doubt, that's the first thought that went into my mind was I need to be getting on the phone and making this call to my clients. I mean, if I'm presenting somewhere, how do I make it easy for them? What could I be doing if I'm, uh, you know, running a webinar, you know, running a podcast, whatever, you know, the types of things that you and I do, having a, a training session, yep. uh, looking at the client, what can I do to make things easier for them? And actually ask that question. I agree. I I think that is a gold statement, uh, to be honest, mate. It's very, very powerful stuff. As you're speaking, uh, I'm actually thinking, gosh, where, where can I apply this question? And as you know, I'm starting this, or I've started this consulting business called getyourownshow.com.au, mm. and, and it's it's to right help right. others um, do what I've done with small business, big marketing, and that that is build a successful podcast. And, um, you know, speaking to potential clients about it, you very quickly identify the blockages. It's like, why haven't you done this before, potential mm-hmm. client? And they go, invariably, from um, a podcasting point of view, it's either that they don't know how to go about interviewing or there are some technical blockages. So my whole thing is like, how do I make that easy? How do I make that just absolutely unbelievably easy? And then all of a sudden the sales process becomes really easy because you've you've got rid of those fears and away you go. Uh- 
any business which is going to make other people's lives easier in a really considered and a really smart way is going to kick ass in the coming years. That's yeah. that's my view. And, and I mean, I'm talking a lot at the moment about home-based businesses and how we used to have this bit of a, a twee consideration that home-based businesses, you're baking scones, making spice racks and, you know, generally doing sheltered workshop stuff. And, of course, the reality is home-based businesses are no longer like that. There are very, very dynamic people doing incredible things you can run an online business from anywhere in the yep. world. There's all this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful opportunities and they're doing great stuff. They still need printers. Home-based businesses still need uh, laptops, computers, tablets, stationery, office equipment. They still need all of those things. But more so, these people are time-deprived and they want people that are going to come around and actually do the things that they need done, servicing them, whatever it might be or whatever products and services they need. So there was a time that someone would, you know, if you said you ran your business from home, they'd kind of tap you on the shoulder and go, oh, look, don't worry, mate, things will get better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whereas now people are going, well, how do you do? that and I I think that to me is one of the biggest opportunities in Australia is to specialise in the home-based business market and provide specific services, treat that market with respect and to be a servile brand means you start using the terminology, home-based businesses. Oh, jeez, I thought you meant use the word servile. (laughs) (laughs) I I struggled to spell it. So, but uh, Uh, Mate, it is funny how the world has changed. I mean... um, Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Home-based business is absolutely not what it used to be. The word I was talking to someone the other day, you know, the word entrepreneur, you know, used to be a kind of wacky term, but now it's just it's it's an accepted term and, you know, to be an entrepreneur is you know, uh, it is to be envied by many in the corporate world. Absolutely. It's a highly desirable term. People wear the, the, the code entrepreneur uh, with a, a, a code of honour, a badge of honour, and so it should be too. I have nothing but the, the utmost admiration for anyone who's brave enough to start their own business in any shape or form. AG, that is a magnificent segue into this listener question from Dylan. And, yeah. like, I, I, that was not planned, but, you know... You have done that brilliantly. I'm, I'm cleverer than I realised. Yeah, <laughs> cleverer than you look. <laughs> hey, now listen, uh, can, I, can I read you this question? It's beautiful. Sure. So Dylan's a long-time listener of the show. He says, you don't know me, but I certainly feel like I know you. Now, that right there is really interesting because mm. I get that all the time and, mm. and, and I reckon you would too. And that all is the time. power of marketing um, and creating good quality content which softens the sales process, which is actually what Dylan's question's about. Mm. He goes on to say, I have listened to every podcast from the very beginning over the last few weeks. I work a mundane warehouse job and would like to start a small business so that that I may leave that sweatshop. I've been having a difficult time getting started. I've turned to audiobooks and podcasts for help. I I covertly listen to small business big marketing under my hoodie while I perform menial labour. Go, Dylan. Work that machine, mate, because we're going to get you out of there. The interview with Tom O'Toole, which was episode 91, was inspiring. I have no excuses not to try. After a trip to Mexico, he came across this crowd that just made fantastic um, pieces of artwork out of clay and copper, etc., which he fell in love with, and he'd like to market and distribute that product to furnishing retailers in Canada and perhaps globally. I feel that there's more to business than the internet. It won't be long before the next logical step is to get in front of prospective clients. (laughs) That seems retro. Um, (laughs) 
Maybe yeah, even literally. Google AdWords and crossed fingers don't seem like the best single option. I'm thinking that when the time comes, I best pound the pavement and shake some hands. It's my understanding that wanting to help and serve others is paramount in sales. But I, And here's his question, but I'm not sure how to approach people without coming across as corny as a corny, inexperienced salesperson. So his question is really about, um, you know, how do I break through that whole mindset around you know, being a corny salesperson. He just finishes up by saying, if you don't have the time or ability to answer my question, I just wanted to let you know that your show is amazing. Thanks, Dylan. That that means a lot. That you've been able to put out as much great content as you have is, is an enormous feat, and I'm most grateful for your hard work. Thank you, buddy. A tear to a glass eye. Absolutely love it. Let's get back to his question. Sales, mm, Griffith. Okay, first and foremost, uh, Dylan, if you send Timbo your uh, postal address, I'll send you my book, uh, 101 Ways to Sell More of Anything to Anyone. And uh, that'll get you started. So that, Dylan, that's send, it to, uh, send it to Tim at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Perfect. I think the, the real key is you, there's a few things. It's a big topic. We could talk about this for hours. But my, first and foremost is uh, I think when it comes to sales, you've got to have product knowledge. And, and that's you've got to know your product inside out. You've got to know your competitors' products inside out. And you've got to believe in your product. And uh, it, it, we've all heard that. If you, if you don't believe in it, you can't sell it. Or more importantly, you shouldn't sell it. And, and I find that when people lack confidence, it's often simply because they don't know enough about it yet. Once with information comes confidence. And I actually did a training program on this very topic last night for an organisation that does gourmet food lines. And they've got a lot of young staff, sort of juniors, you know, after school and all that kind of stuff. Busy, busy place. And they go, well, why is it that the, the juniors can't sell yet the, the older people can. You go, well, it's maturity, it's this, it's that's the other. I said, well, to be honest, I think it's actually confidence. I believe young people can sell fantastically, mm. but they have to be, they have to have the confidence and you've got to help them get the confidence in the products in a, in, in a different way to someone who's a bit older. It's got to be a bit more gradual. You've got to do it in a way that will work with them. You've got to talk to them and ask them how they'll feel more confident in the product. So, so but, Dylan clearly loves, I mean, he's identified sure. this, this artwork. He's got a passion for it. He believes in it. He's seen the people that make it. He sees a, a gap potentially in the Canadian market for selling it into um, into furnishing retailers. I'd add to that whole confidence thing. Um, he, uh, up front, he needs to change his mindset around sales, and, and mm-hmm. I'm right alongside him here. I much prefer marketing every day of the week to sales, Griffo, because um, marketing for me softens the sales process. Exactly what Dylan said up front. You don't know me, but I certainly feel like I know you. Um, and, and to get that means that the selling process is easier because A, people are contacting you and B, they feel as though they know you. So it's it's a conversation and not a pitch, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think Dylan needs to change his mindset around, what's he say, um, corny, inexperienced salesperson. Just mm. lose that. Change your mindset to one that is, you know, you've got something worthwhile to share and that you actually have, you know, you've got something that can make a difference to someone's life. Absolutely. And that's, again, I believe, though, is a confidence thing in yourself. You've got to believe that statement as well. You've got to say, listen, I know my product is good. I know it's quality. And people are going to want to buy it simply for that reason alone. And I think that they will. A couple of other ways I think you could do that is, and I think... Talk about changing your headspace. Mm-hmm. Great sales skills are actually just, uh, it, or is just great customer service. 
And that's something that's changed over the years. We somewhere along the line differentiated customer service and selling, and they became two things. And everyone's paranoid about becoming a corny salesperson or a used car salesperson or this kind of salesperson. The reality is we used to be able to go into a shop and ask someone really good questions about products or services and get really good answers, and we expected that. These days we don't get it so much. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to a bookshop uh, where I haunt, You'd look for a person with grey hair because they're probably going to be able to recommend a book or tell you where things are, get your advice. It's harder to find those kind of folks around that have that product knowledge. Now, regardless of what you're selling, I think that it's saying, well, okay, I'm going to be the very best salesperson I can be. Forget about going out and knocking on doors, say, right, I, I need to make sure that I'm going to be the best salesperson I can be. So what does that mean? You've got to understand, yes, you've got to have confidence. Yes, you've got to know your product. Yes, you've got to believe in what you're selling. Yes, you've got to be organized. Yes, you've got to, you've got to do the things to, to make sure that you're, you're a great salesperson and you're respected by others because you're a professional. And that means looking the part. That means, you know, if you're going to be there at nine o'clock for a meeting, you are there at nine o'clock for a meeting or 10 to nine for a meeting. You do your homework, you go on Google and you find out about the people that you're trying to sell to. Do your homework on their business. All these kind of things that make you a better salesperson. Yeah. One of the great uh, questions. It's not that complicated. <laughs> One of the questions I've mentioned before on the show is what ask yourself what constitutes success for your client or your prospect, and and every every time it's going to be different. Um, mm. Some are going to want the best price. Some are going to want the best service. Some are going to want large quantities. Some are going to want you know confidence that they're not going to be let down. Find out what it is. And uh, Griff, I've got a great book that uh, I, um, besides the one of yours, that one of the 11 that you're going to send Dylan, which is a very kind offer, I would also suggest that he reads The $100 Startup by mm. Chris Gilbo. Um, Fabulous book. The, the, the subtitle, fire, fire Your Boss, Do What You Love and Work Better to Live More. It is a ripper book. It is case study after case study of people who have spent 100 bucks or thereabouts, fired their boss and are now not necessarily making a million dollars, although there are some in there doing it, but doing what they love and really enjoying it. I reckon um, he will get a lot, Dylan will get a lot from reading The $100 Startup. I know I did. It would also be cool if you could find someone to maybe mentor you. You know, I, I know that that's not that easy to, to find at times, but you never know. If you put it out there, it's interesting that comes who comes out of the woodwork. But it, but it is kind of handy to have someone to show you the ropes a little bit in sales. It's a hard thing to do on your own at times. But, I mean, many of us have done it, but without a doubt, someone's saying the right word, the right the right, the right bit of feedback at the right time. I had a guy years ago, one of the best bits of advice I've ever had, and I may have even mentioned on the show, first one, Tim, was mm. that someone's got to be the most expensive. Yeah. It may as well be you. If it's going to be you, you've got to be the best. Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as that. And, and, and they're profound kind of words for me. They had a profound uh, impact on me where the, the reality was be quality in everything you do, whatever that may mean to you, be quality and you can charge what you deserve to charge. If your whole business is based on price, then, well, you know, you, you, you lose that uh, and, and you have less of a leveraging tool. Again, this might not be applicable to everyone, but I'm just saying they're the kind of, I guess, guiding pieces of information or words of wisdom that sometimes point us in the right direction. Yep. Uh, you know, hey, hey, Dylan, thanks mate. a million for the question, mate. It's a great question. Thanks for listening to the show under the hoodie while you're pushing those machines around. <laughs> May you break away real, real soon. Griffo, let's talk 
Let's talk testimonials. Oh, yes. Hey? Do you think the testimonials, people are going, oh, really, testimonials, ho-hum, it's all a bit boring, it's all a bit done? Uh, where do you stand on it? Okay, I, I don't reckon uh, done well. I, I, I believe there's a really big role for testimonials. Putting together this website for Get Your Own Show, mm. I have got testimonials littered throughout it. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> I actually don't expect anyone to read them. Mm, okay. But subconsciously, they're going to see them and they're going to see some words written in quotation marks italicised from a third party, and they're going to see that person's name and the business from where they've come. And I think at that point, the testimonial's job is done. If they choose to read them, happy days, because they're fantastic testimonials. But um, it's, they play a role. And uh, they can also be very detrimental because I've seen many done poorly. So, but, exactly. but, but in the on the balance, I think there's a role for them. It, it's, it's a funny one. I, look, I agree completely. I think we need testimonials. I think it's that third-party endorsement. I just think that has changed. I think the way that testimonials work and the opportunities for testimonials has changed. I think doing the getting your customers to stand in front of a video and go, Hello, my name's Andrew and, and Tim's really good. Yeah, I, I'm I guilty of that. Anti-testimonial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, like you, what it is, I think we've got to coach people to give us testimonials. A few pieces of advice that I offer. One is you've got to make it really, really easy for people to give you a written testimonial. So you've got to kind of spell it out and say, look, this is are you happy if I write it and you proof it? Now, some people might go, oh, my goodness, that's terrible. It's not really. You're just going to get what you want. It's You're putting words together for the person who's never going to get around to it and even actually being asked for a testimonial is kind of going to drive them crazy. Some people will say, yeah, I'll leave it to me. I'll write it. I'll do it. But other people, you just got to make it easy. You've got to be a servile brand. You've got to make it easy for people to You are. Yeah, I agree with that. You are. There is a bit of like, oh, aren't you putting words into someone else's sure. mouth? Look, absolutely, but you're not going to publish a testimonial that says terrible things anyway or mm. neutral things anyway. Mm. Like, let's be honest, you're only going to put testimonials up that say pretty good things about you. So so the reality is all you're doing is making that easy for the person. And then I would suggest, though, if you're asking that, you say, look, you know, maybe give me a few points, you know, a couple of words that you would use that, you know, would describe how the service I offer or the products or whatever it is so that it's not all completely fabricated. Mm -hmm. And again, the other person, when I've done that in the past, I found people say, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to say. Thank you. Yep. So, you know, you've made it easier. So so I do think we need to do that. I think you've got to, next thing is you've got to strike while the iron's hot. You know, if you've just finished a project for someone and they're really, really happy, don't ask them for a testimonial six months later. No. When they've forgotten, but, you know, who knows what else has happened in between all the rest of it. When you finish a project, you ask for a testimonial. Do you, do you know I, how I do that? Absolutely. While the iron's hot, what I actually do is um, ask them to I send them the link to my LinkedIn profile, and if if they can get their head around it, and I've I've got a little screen video, a little screen capture video that I've done using Screener, and say, a would you mind writing me a testimonial, and b would you mind actually doing it in LinkedIn? Now that puts a layer of technicality on it, but my little Screener video goes for thirty seconds and shows them how to do it. Sure. Then I've got it. It it, it makes my LinkedIn profile richer. Um, it just means I can cut and paste it and use it elsewhere, and it actually um, gets seen by others who are connected to me in LinkedIn. It's, I think that's a great strategy as well, and I think it's, again, it shows that, that 
Testimonials is a little bit more complicated than it used to be because there are other mediums. But yep. one key point I would say about that, though, too, is that we all need to make sure our testimonials are current. There's yep. no, no point having a testimonial from, from 1987, even if it's from the, the King of France. It doesn't really <laughs> matter. It, it's, they have a use-by date. And in the world we live in, probably anything longer than a year, maybe even 18 months, is really starting to get a little bit long in the tooth because as consumers, we all know that things change and we all know, well, your business might have been great a year ago, but what's it like today? And people are looking for current testimonials. If you go to TripAdvisor, for example, one of the most looked at things is what was the date of the last comments? Yeah, so true. To see how current it is. And of course, now we've got to be encouraging not only electronic testimonials, but you know, written testimonials, all types of things. Another key, though, I'd say is if we go to the trouble of getting them, God, you've got to make sure you use them. Mm. If you're not using them, what's the flame and point of doing it? Mm. Uh, I mean, I do something. When I do quotes, I send out a quote to a client for a project, whatever it might be, or a speaking job or a marketing campaign, whatever it might be. I put a list of the 10 last projects I've worked on and who the contact person is and their phone number on the last page and say, if you want to verify that I can deliver on what I say I can, here are the 10 people that you need to contact because they're the 10 most current jobs that I've done. Yeah, brilliant. And, and you know what? No one ever rings them. No one ever follows mm. up. But everyone loves that. Yeah, everyone I says to that. me, wow, that's very powerful stuff. And I go, well, you know, and they could ring them and I would have no problem and I check it with the person as well that uh, whose name I put, I wouldn't do it otherwise, and just say, are you happy for me to do this? And everyone says, absolutely. And, and I think, again, you're backing yourself. A testimonial is, I mean, I would never make up a testimonial, you know, a dodgy one, which I think some people do that kind of stuff. And it's like, really? You know, it's got to really come from, uh, from a good place. And- I, I actually have I'll, I'll own up to uh, I've had a couple of people ask for a testimonial and I've written back like just this with tongue in cheek yeah. <laughs> absolute shockers you know like <laughs> the service was second you know was immature the way they approached the task meant I you know not one touch point was met all this type of stuff and uh, then you just wait for the phone call or the email but you, you <laughs> got to pick your marks on you got to pick your mark on those ones yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. But, but really, folks, anyone who's out there is listening going, oh, should we get testimonials? Is it really worth the hassle? Is it not? I know there's a bit of work in getting them, but they are vitally important. We've got to be encouraging people to go to our Facebook page, write comments, go to LinkedIn, give us recommendations. We've got to be doing all of that kind of stuff because I, my belief is that in coming years, that's going to become is so much more important than the, the communal feedback about your business. Yeah. Half the people we, we won't even know um, is going to become so significant in people deciding, well, will I, will I buy something from these guys or not? Let me have a look at yeah. their TripAdvisor status and uh, so let's see what the latest comments are before I decide. I choose whether or not I'm going to stay at a hotel or do something from a tourism point of view based on TripAdvisor comments. Wow. And I, Guarantee I'm not the only person that does that. If the last few comments are lousy or whatever it is, I go, mm, I think I'll look somewhere else. Who owns TripAdvisor? Do you know? Not me. Not <laughs> me. It's the only thing I know about that. It, it, it is incredibly <laughs> powerful and uh, I'm sure I, I must. I might even try and contact the, the founders of it because I'd love to know the story. I'm, I bet it started off, well, like everything, started off small, but I bet it started off with being some kind of local area online idea that just went global at some point. 
Mm, absolutely. And really, uh, that stuff has just started. I, I mean, we're going to have TripAdvisor for everything, medical services, um, yeah. you know, consulting services, whatever it might be, will all be in there for our industry sector, retailers, the whole thing. Mm. And, and, and I think, again, it's one of the things where we go, oh, blimey, not something else that I've got to manage. But the reality is, well, it is what you've got to manage. It's not something else. It's it's the thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of things we had to do in the past that we don't have to do anymore. But things like managing our online, um, I guess, reputation, you know, managing what people are saying, encouraging people to say the right things about us, that's the new form of marketing. So love it or hate it, it's, it is what it is. Griffo. Last topic for this episode of Funny Business. Um, you have put yourself out there and said, quote unquote, one of the biggest issues with small business owners today is, insert drum roll, do, 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 do. business isolation. Absolutely. Terrible drum roll, I might add. Was. But uh, we'll fix uh, that. Liam, right, <laughs> right now, we'll have put in a drum roll to proceed what we're talking about right now. Trust me. <laughs> It's a big topic. It's it's a huge topic. Business isolation. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that that, that, that a lot of business owners feel really alone. They they feel like they're they're trying to to make their way in the world by themselves. They they don't have a working environment. Most of us in a working environment where you've got people to bounce ideas off, get feedback, talk to, support you if you're feeling down, whatever it might be, just to share information. Business owners. Pardon me. Many of us don't have that in that environment. And many people, I see it over the years where they really struggle and they kind of are going, well, okay, I need that interaction. I don't know if what I'm thinking is right. Where do I get a second opinion? How do I know if I'm heading in the right direction? How do I know if all of these kind of things are there? And even worse is I think that business owners with this a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation on them are also a bit prone to depression and, and not necessarily having outlets for it as well or people who would really understand them. Now, I've attracted over the years many people in that situation because they, they want to go to workshops or they want to reach out, they read your book and they you know drop you an email and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. I don't know who else to ask for advice. Can you help me? Um, th- those kind of things. And I think the more and more I see it, whenever I talk about business isolation, there's a lot of nodding heads in the room. The nice thing, though, is, Tim, these days there's a lot of ways for people to stay connected in a, in a much greater way, even if it's not necessarily 100% physically connected, as in going out to like a, a BNI meeting or a, a workshop or a social entrepreneurial function. We can start to connect more online through Facebook, through LinkedIn, through doing a webinar like this. Even though this is recorded, it's still a connection. Isn't it? You know, when people are listening to it, they're, with, so. they're sitting here, they're in the room, they're, you know, they're a part of it. And you and I, you know, we do webinars a lot. We go to conferences, we present around the place. And again, I think that that's what you need to do as a small business owner these days to stay connected to the larger group, you know, the, the, the bigger organism, if you like. Because if you're just by yourself trying to figure out, it's not only demanding, tough, challenging, all the rest of it, but but it's, it's a lonely bit of an existence. And Spoke about home-based businesses before, it's going to become more of an issue where people are working from home going, oh, man, I haven't gone out of the house for the last three days. You know, yeah, <laughs> what, what, I stopped shaving. I stopped washing. <laughs> I, I stopped, you know, that kind of stuff, which I haven't washed for about a week now. Yeah, I think could figure that. Yeah, I, don't think you've bre- I don't think you've taken a breath for a week either. <laughs> you are a machine. One of the things I'd love to do, and I know, you know, having done small business big marketing now for three years, there's, there's a there's, there is a big community of listeners out there and, and I know that I haven't harnessed that 
as as much as I could have, and I certainly plan to. But the idea of having, you know, I love. Uh, I remember talking to the Black Milk Clothing guy in an episode a few months ago. Who he's got a meetup group in not only every state of Australia, but he's got his his tribe have gone and started meetup groups in lots of states of America, of Canada, and the UK. And you know, this is a this is a brand that makes leggings for women and. Um, Powerful stuff, and it just reminded me. You know, people do want to belong. People do want to be part of something. And um, I'd love, I'd love. I mean, the idea of small business, big marketing meetups in places around the world would be nothing more exciting. Give me reason to travel. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and I and I think that people with shared interests that want to just talk about business, that want to, I don't know, share ideas, share experiences. We are in such a an amazing time in terms mm. of change, as we know. Technology, and, mate, you're across so much technology that people want to know this kind of stuff. How do you do podcasts? How do you do LinkedIn recommendations? Mm. I mean, you know, when you're doing that stuff all day, every day, it's second nature. To a lot of people that sit there going, really? How, how do you do those things? How can I... Do this? How can I, you know, how can I, you know, develop an online database of people that I can market to? A friend of mine just sent out her first email to a thousand clients the other day and generated a whole pile of business from it. And honestly, she was so proud and so excited that. You know that that entrepreneurial thing where we've we've figured something out, we've made it work, we've put our blood, sweat, and tears mm. into it, press send, or done it, and it's worked. I think and it's really. I reflect on one of the, one of my great memories of working in the corporate jungle was um, <laughs> the idea, and I had a couple of great bosses who constantly fed back to you. You know, told you how you were going, good, bad, or indifferent. Congratulated when you you know you you hit a home run, and you know, as as small business owners who are uh, entrepreneurial and solopreneurs, a lot of us listening, um, it is um, it is harder to you know when you do have a win, you want to you want to share it with someone. You want to get out there and, you know, take that long lunch. And I think it's important that we we do that more and more. And even though the world is offering up more um, virtual ways of doing that, I don't think it replaces actually getting out there and, um, and eyeballing people and not going to the bloody Chamber of Commerce networking function necessarily, but... Sure, um, I agree, I agree. And and, and let's just just to finish that topic, not not just looking for places that you can go to. Think about things that you could start. And Absolutely. I know many listeners will be going, oh, you know, oh, I've never organised something or no one had come to an event I'd organise. I-, I challenge them on that. Mm, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I've done that in the past. Hooked up with six buddies or, or five buddies, actually. We meet up once well, a month. Well, hang on. Was it, was it five or six, Griffo? It was five. I made it number six because we had some kind of clever name that related to six. And uh, and I can't quite remember what it was. So it wasn't that clever, but I do remember it was, I don't know, I'm sure it was probably rude. But we would meet up and, you know, once a month we would catch up and every month we would talk about two of the people's businesses. Yep. So that every three months, basically, you were the person, your business was getting talked about over lunch and sharing ideas. But every lunch that we caught up once a month, everything that was said was totally relevant. It didn't matter whether it was my business or Bob's business or or Jason's business. It didn't matter one iota because the conversation was relevant. But I think one thing that I find particularly interesting is, is the person that really understands a small business is another small business owner. And often our partners don't really understand 
understand it if they're working in a job. They we just are off doing this weird stuff all the time, or our family might not understand it, or other people. But a small business owner gets another small business owner having a success or having a tough time or being worried about paying the rent or getting a big contract yep. and, and that celebration of what it really means. And I think we, we need to, we need to you know, forage and mix with our own kind. Forage. You know, we're a different species. If, if we haven't realised that yet, you know, small business owners, entrepreneurs, we are a different species altogether on this planet. Correct. And, uh, and I'm damn happy about that fact. My wife's a nurse <laughs> and she still doesn't know what I do, so uh, I need other small business owners. <laughs> I know we do. We need each other, and we uh, and we're a wonderful support group because we really do share in each other's successes. You know, you do stuff that you know kicks a goal, and I I mean that to me is just fabulous. I I, I love seeing anyone kicking a goal, mm. and uh, because you know what's gone into it, you know how much hard Correct. work has gone into it, and I, I think that's you know again something to be so honoured in every in every level. I just um I just admire that in people. Ag, what have you got coming up, mate? In the next, uh, in the next, well, we I, I, we speak every four weeks. So, what have you got coming up in the next month? Uh, okay, a new thing for me is I've become a, have a shower. Uh, no, I'll never wash again no. now after this conversation. I've, uh, I've become a small business ambassador for the ANZ Bank. Nice. Which, uh, pretty wild. So I'll be blogging there regularly. I'll be kind of doing some events, I imagine, all those kind of things. That's just been um, finalised from that point of view. I'll be doing a bit of travel. I think I'm going up to Singapore to work on a couple of projects up in Southeast Asia, do a bit of stuff with CBS up there. Yep. And, you know, just generally, it's almost Christmas. I think I might start to wind down oh, a little bit. Oh, wow. Scary. <laughs> What about you, mate? What's on your agenda? Uh, mate, I have got, um, well, we are in the last quarter of 2012 and I have, in the next couple of months, the next six weeks, I've got 13 speaking engagements. So I'm doing a webinar right. for you. Uh, I right. have got, um, uh, what else have I got? Got some, you know, client work, actually. Oh, and putting together getyourownshow.com.au, which is mm. my new right. consulting arm that's going to help other small business owners become what I would say is uh, thought leaders or opinion leaders in their industry by getting a podcast. Um, I'm just so big on this podcast. That, that is an obvious statement. I'm so big on this podcasting thing. But, um, you know, I'm getting more and more people asking me how I did it. So I want to share the love. Mm, so a, a lot of demand out there. I think there's a lot of people. I mean, for me, it's certainly something I want to learn how to podcast. But I'm sure there's a lot of people that that would like to learn how to do it properly. I, I think it's it, there's like a lot of things. Maybe a lot of people that would kind of bumble their way through it. But uh, my advice, if you want to learn how to do it, go to the person who's the best at it. And I've no doubt you're the best at it. Stop in- it. You Stop are, it. Absolutely. You do amazing podcasts, amazing websites that support it, build the business, and uh, it's a great marketing tool. Absolutely. Love your work, AG. Well, mate, uh, it's been a pleasure. That is another, that is funny business number three. Uh, if you're listening to this of iTunes and you're wondering, how the hell do I get more of that? Or <laughs> how do I unsubscribe? Go to um, smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and uh, the world's your oyster over there. AG, it's been a pleasure. Take Thanks, a breath. Mate. I'm going to do a word count. I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this episode transcribed. I'm going to do a word count and, uh, just make sure that it's it's you know it's even. 
I'd like us to have a worm. We, we need a, like the, the, the worm that we could have on screen to see what people are doing to give us some feedback about whether they like what we're saying or we're not liking. That'll be a challenge for a podcast. Yeah, That'll correct. be your next challenge, buddy. Love your work, <laughs> I, mate. I look forward to the next uh, next edition of Funny Business number four uh, in in a uh, in about a month or so. Hey, mate. See you later. Thanks, Timbo. Be good. Alrighty, it's Timbo back without AG. Hope you enjoyed the banter between the two of us and there was plenty for you to take away and implement in your business. So important to both me and Andrew that that's what you do. Guys, upcoming episodes. Jules Lund, uh, one of Australia's uh, most celebrated radio hosts who's got his own show and he's going to talk about how he goes about uh, running his own show, having his own show, what it's done for his personal brand, how he goes about interviewing, etc. Gordon Ryan, he owns and has started a cocktail bar in an ex Funeral home. Ooh, spooky. Uh, and he is nailing it in a regional city of Australia, um, living his passion. Um, works for Microsoft and runs a successful cocktail bar. Turned a profit within five months. Doing something right. He's going to tell us what. Um, got a listener question episode, listener questions episode coming up. So many questions to answer. If you do have one, guys, um, questions at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com is where to go, or you can leave a voicemail by going to the tab, uh, smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and hitting on the tab on the right hand side. Um, I'll, get, I'll let you inside the tent a bit and, and tell you who also um, I would love to interview. This is, these are on my list, okay? Uh, we're talking with the guys at Lorna Jane, which is a women's fitness brand. Um, got author Valerie Koo coming up too. Uh, she's written a book on storytelling and why storytelling is so important, a marketing tool. Trying to get the guys at Tough Mudder, um, trying to get the guys at Willard Blend, Check out willitblend.com if you haven't seen it. Brilliant way to sell blenders. Um, who else have I got? Trying to get Dick Smith. Trying to get, I know, how crazy is this? The guy who jumped from the balloon up in space, the Red Bull guy. Um, Want to speak to a tattooist, an undertaker, and um, Toby Smith from Toby's Coffee, Toby's Estate. Uh, they're just a few on my hit list. So, hey, if you can give me an intro to any of those types of people, bring it on. Send me an email, tim at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Enough from me. It's all about you. May your marketing be the best marketing. See you next week, guys. You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reed. Want more marketing goodness? Then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.